right. Well, how are we doing tonight? Oh, man, not so good, huh? How are we doing tonight? All right, we're doing all right. Hey, listen, uh, so glad you guys are here. If you weren't here last week, uh, my name is Chad Kinser, uh, and uh, I'm caught up in sort of a three-week journey with you. I started last week, and uh, I hail from Austin along with Logan uh, and the band, and uh, we, we spend a lot of time together. We're in the same uh, community group together, and so to get to do this, as always, is, is a real pleasure. Uh, so last week, we started this series uh, on wisdom from the Proverbs. There's a whole book about wisdom in the Bible, and I thought it would be helpful for us if we just took a few weeks. This probably won't be the most soul-shaking, mountain-moving series you've ever heard, but my hope in these three weeks would there be just really simple, foundational, very, very practical, useful things uh, for your journey in Jesus. So last week, to kind of catch us up to speed, we talked about Jesus being the person of wisdom. So one of the kind of the key takeaways last week was that wisdom, this thing we're all looking for to kind of know how life works, where life is headed, looking for the good life, to kind of navigate us forward, knowing how to go where we need to go. Wisdom is not so much something that you and I have to go get or something that we go find, but wisdom, according to scripture, is a person. Wisdom is a person. What you and I are looking for ultimately isn't the good life. We're looking for the one who is good and gives life, Jesus the Christ. And out around him, orbiting around him is life, and he is the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. He's the person of wisdom. That was all of last week. So what you want isn't ultimately something or a next step. It's a person because whatever that next thing is, it won't satisfy Because there will come a point where even if it's the best decision you make, it will let you down. But Jesus won't. He never changes. So that's last week. But that leads us in then into this week where we get very, very practical. Something very, very useful. uh, Something that all of us are thinking about. Decisions, right? What is the will of God for my life? How do I make decisions? How do I know where God is leading? That's the topic of tonight. So if you've got a Bible, open up to Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16 and we'll, uh, we'll launch out from a single verse. I want to read that, and then we'll jump in from there. Proverbs 16 and verse 9, the words will be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. The word of Christ speaks to us like this. It says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his his steps. Have you ever thought, what if? Like, have you ever had a moment in life where you're sort of thinking about where you're headed or what's going on or what could have been back there and you kind of just had a moment where you thought, what if? You ever had that moment? A moment where maybe you thought, what if I had different parents? What would my life look like now if my family were different? What if I grew up somewhere else? What if, what if I went somewhere else to college? Like, where, what if I wasn't at Baylor? And where, what would my life be like if I had chosen that other school I was considering? What if I hadn't waited so long to ask that girl on a date and then some other, some other junkie slipped in and he asked her on a date and now they're engaged? Would I be engaged? Oh man, she's, I'm so glad I'm not. She's crazy, right? What, what if you ever had that moment? It shapes up in a variety of ways, but I think all of us have kind of looked back and wondered, what if, what if even the smallest detail of my life hadn't gone the way 
that it did, where, where would I be? What if I had been given a different opportunity? Would I be somewhere else or would I be in the same place, but would I be different than I am now? I think these kinds of thoughts, they flood our minds at different times, sometimes at random times, if you're like me, like when you're just stuck in traffic on the highway, you know, thinking about stuff, what if? Or like in the shower, something like your best ideas and kind of sometimes like, can I just get rid of that thought? Get out of the shower, dry off. Okay, I'm in a different place now, right? But sometimes what if occurs in the shower or, or maybe even, you know, when you're laying on your head, at, uh, laying on your pillow at night and kind of just your life and where it is and all the things that are happening kind of begin to flood and you just kind of cycle through and kind of the video screen of your life is just kind of present there in that moment on your pillow. What if? And there are certain moments in life that you look back on, if you're like me, I think all of us, this is probably true, that you're thankful. You're, you, you are where you are today because things did go a certain way that got you to where you are and you're, you're glad about that. Like I know like for me, so I think about my grandpa. I'm so glad that over 40 years ago when he was a salesman traveling around the country that he stopped in Enid, Oklahoma, a little diner, and he had this little waitress that was waiting on him and he thought she was just the best thing he'd ever seen. So much so that he couldn't help but drop some game, you know? Some 40-year-old, like 40 years ago, whatever that looked like, just make sure she knew that he was in, you know? And she thought that was pretty cool. And so he made sure he'd get back to Enid, Oklahoma. And they went on some dates. The little waitress is my grandma. And they had a little romantic night. You know how that works. And uh, then my mom came about, and then that leads to me. Like, I'm thinking, well, if that little diner hadn't happened, would I have happened? I'm so glad that little diner happened because I kind of like my life, you know. I'm so glad that when I was back in middle school, there was a Wednesday night that I decided to go to church. None of my friends that I went with were going to church that night, and I really didn't care about a lot of church, but I didn't want to be home, and so church seemed like a good decision to do on a Wednesday night. And I went, and that Wednesday night, I heard the gospel of Jesus preached for the first time, and I, I believed. I understood myself a sinner and Jesus a Savior, and I mean, my life was wrecked by God ever since. I'm so glad I was there. I'm so glad if you were here last week that I mustered up the courage on that second lap around my campus to ask my girl on a date, you know? Uh, I'm so glad that there have been certain things in my life that have gone the way they've gone. I'm, I'm so glad. But there's other moments that you look back on and you're like, man, I, I think all of us have this too. I, I wish it didn't go that way. Maybe you look back at other memories of your life and and you're sad, or you're confused, or, or you're regretful. You see, I think some of us in the room tonight, you come in, and this conversation, this topic is really important to you, because right now, for some of you, you're facing some really big decisions. There's some of you that are about to graduate, and you've got now job offers on the table. There's some of you that are about to graduate, and you have no job offers on the table. I don't know what's coming for me, I just can't go back home, you know? It's kind of what you're thinking. There's others of you that are coming in tonight and you're thinking about a relationship, you know? Do I go to the next level with that boyfriend or girlfriend? Do I, or do I break up? What, you're thinking about relationships. You're thinking about, for some of you, it's, it's not a job after college. It's what do I do this coming summer? I've got, I've got several options on the table for things to do this summer. It, I could go on and on and on about maybe some decisions that some of you are making, but this is a relevant conversation. What, what do I do? What, what do I do? There's others of you that are coming in and you're thinking about making decisions and you're, you're going, I've made some decisions. I, I've done that and these have been bad decisions. And some of you are coming in tonight with a little bit 
of a conscience racked with guilt and shame in a kind of way where you're wondering, have I made decisions that have derailed me from God's plan for my life? And can I ever get back on track? Or, or is God just going to sort of adjust and now things he wanted me to do, I can never do, but I'll have to make do over here because of some bad decisions I've made. You see, there's, there's ways in which we're coming to this conversation from different points. But all of us, I think, want to know, even if, even if tonight you're here and you're kind of checking the whole Christianity thing out and, and you're not sure if you want to follow God, I think that if we were all given truth serum enough, we would want to know what does God want next for me? What, what does he want next for me, right? And so we can play the what if game all night long. We really could. And it could get really fun and we could kind of make up alternate histories sometimes. We could do that. But we don't have what if. You and I don't have what if. All we have is what is. What is right now and what, what is next. That's, that's, that's what we have. So what if isn't really helpful for us. So that's why I want us to tackle the question and why God cares a lot about the question of how do we make decisions Which way do we go? Which step do we take? What decisions is God asking us to make? And how do we know the process to take? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Look back at Proverbs 16, verse 9. It says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So this verse is the verse we're going to use for kind of our framework of decision making. It comes to us in two parts. There's a comma separating part one and part two. And the first half of that verse says that In a man's heart, he plans his way. So, okay, this is nothing new to us. You you know this, right? In a man's heart, in a person's heart, you plan your way. This is what's normal to you. You do this without even thinking. There is a way that you want your life to go. There's a way that you want your life to work. You have an ambition for your life and how you would like things to play out and maybe even where you would like to be in five years. In a man's heart, he plans his way, right? This is what's normal to us. You know this. But we want to get to the bottom of tonight is, based on what we talked about last week, how do we begin to plan our way in our hearts that are in alignment with the person of wisdom, with wisdom itself? And so to kind of structure our time together, uh, I think there are at least four ways or four steps, four categories that we think through when we're making decisions. And so I'm going to kind of give them to you rapid fire, and then we'll walk through them the rest of our time together. I think they'll be on the screen. The first thing we think about in making decisions is what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Number two, what do the people of God say? What do the people of God say? Number three, what do you want to do? What what do you want to do? And then last, trust God. Trust God. So now let's, let's tease these out. The first one, what does the Bible say? Okay, so I know that sounds really obvious, It sounds really elementary. It sounds like, yeah, 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 I get that. Like Bible, 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 blah, blah, blah. I'm at Baylor, I get it. But we we have to talk about this because we can't just fly past it because remember last week, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom begins with God. So we have to begin with God's word. So when we think about a decision, what the Bible says, the first thing we have to ask ourselves is the decision at hand, whatever you're thinking about, job, relationship, uh, you name it, we have to first ask the question, is it sin? When we think about the Bible and the decision we're making, the first question we ask is, does the Bible address this and already have a clear word? 
Is it sin, right? So on one level, this is obvious. Like if you're thinking, do I kill my roommate or not for washing the dishes? Or not washing the dishes, as it were. Like, I kill you, you wash the dishes, you're out, you know? You're like, ah, weird roommate. I thought that was a good thing. No, if they're not, like, so, so the Bible speaks clear on murder. Like, don't do it. Wash or not wash, don't do it. This is better with a conversation, right? Uh, pray for your enemies, love your enemies, even the non-dishwashers, you know? So the Bible's clear on that. So if that's your decision, which I hope it's not, the Bible's clear on it. Lie, not lie. The Bible's clear on that. Uh, in a certain relationship, do I, do I, is it okay to date a non-believer or get serious with someone who, who isn't taking their faith serious? The Bible's pretty clear on that. They need to be walking with the Lord and guiding you in, in the Lord. And so if your relationship is built with a person who's not sharing life or faith with you, then the Bible's pretty clear on that. That's... that's that's where the process stops, right? But then down from there, there's lots of other decisions where this job or that job isn't in the Bible. This job or, or that career step or that place to live or that city to live in, that's not in the Bible. So, so what's the next layer down? Well, still we're thinking about the Bible here. And so the next two places you go, if you've discerned, it's not sinful, where else do I go? There's two fun foundational truths in Scripture that help keep this whole thing in perspective. We think about God's gospel and God's mission. God's gospel and God's mission. So God's gospel, right? There are some of you right now, again, that are thinking about the decision you have to make and you're terrified to make the wrong decision. There are some of you right now that you're afraid. If if I take this job and not that job, if I go with this relationship and not that one, if I decide this career or, or that, you're afraid that my life might get messed up and I'm gonna do something God doesn't want me to do. And it's in that place that I need you to hear something tonight. If you're one of those like hyper anxious people over decisions, I'm one of them. That's simply not true. Because of the gospel, you have to hear this tonight. Because of the good news of Jesus, your life isn't built on or based on the decisions you make. It's not. It's not based on the decisions you make. It's based on the decision that God has already made to send his son to make a way of salvation. And you're now defined by him. Your past has now been covered by him and your future is already secured in him. You don't have to worry about screwing your life up. That's the good news of the gospel. That's huge. You've got to keep that in mind. So there's a verse I always think about with this and it's 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 and 10. It says this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the verse. He's not destined you for wrath, but what he's desired for you, what he's destined you for, if you trust in Jesus, is salvation. And look at verse 10. And this Christ has died for us so that whether awake or asleep, we might live together with him. So your past has been atoned for, He's saved you and your future is already secured. He died so that whether you wake or you're asleep, biblical way of talking about death, because you don't stay there, you resurrect. You're with him. It's already secured. It's, it's already locked in. So this sets you free. Now this doesn't mean uh, just go ahead and make whatever decision you make and live however you want because God's gonna take you back and you'll just figure it out and roll with the punches. And that's not what this means. Because that would be what the Bible calls presuming on God's grace, playing games with God, and that the Bible warns violently against that. But, but this gospel that God has given to us 
doesn't make us just cavalier about our decisions. It actually makes us more serious to go, okay, I know it's secure, but God, I still want your word here. I still want your word. And so you don't have to fear screwing your life up over this relationship or that, this job or that, or the list could go on. Again, just want to remind you of the gospel. Here's what the gospel says to you. You've already screwed your life up through a crazy amount of bad decisions, but Jesus has redeemed those. Jesus has redeemed those. That's not what defines you. Remember, we just sang it. He's your story. Those decisions aren't your story. Grace is. Grace is. So the gospel now frees you to consider, okay, I'm locked in, son, daughter of God. I'm receiving an inheritance. God, I know where you're taking me, conform to the image of Jesus. Now, how do these other decisions fit? God's, God's gospel helps us keep perspective. The second thing is God's mission. God's mission, right? So, so we should always think about that at every point in our life, the Bible's really clear. God is after those who are following Jesus to see their life as a means to push forward the kingdom of God in every area of life. You should always be thinking about mission. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher, he said it this way, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Every Christian is either a missionary, you're doing it right, or an imposter, you're not what you think you are. I I love that statement because it makes it really, really clear. It draws lines in the sand. So when it comes to a decision you're making, you ought to consider, okay, does... Does going this way or that, which way amplifies my opportunity to share Christ? Or or is there a way I would go that would diminish my opportunities to share Jesus? Is there a way I would go that would magnify the mission of God in my life or would it squash it out altogether? You should be thinking about God's gospel and God's mission after you've determined whether or not it's sin. So this is the first step in decision-making. What does the Bible say, right? This is where... This is where we begin. But the second step is really, really important. What do the people of God say? What do the people of God say? So when you're making a decision, you need to keep in mind that God hasn't saved you now to live like, you know, uh, live like white snake, you know? He's like, I'm a drifter born to walk alone, you know? That's not your, like, that's an old reference. You're like, I don't even know what that means. Well, you're not a drifter born to walk alone. Just take that. So you're not a loner. You're not in isolation, right? God hasn't saved you to go, ah, I want you over here away from all these people. No, what God has done is he's adopted you and made you a son or a daughter, which means you now have a family, the family of God, other fellowship with other believers. And when you're making decisions, you ought to consider your family. You ought to consider the the collective wisdom of the people of God, right? And so this could be your actual family, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, This could be uh, your church leaders, your pastors, uh, your ministry leaders. This could be uh, your friends. And what I'm suggesting is these ought to be people who who know you well and they know the decision you're trying to make and if there's a fit, kind of how this begins to work. You, You ought to consider what's happening. And I'm not suggesting that your unbelieving friends can't speak into your life. I I think they can to some degree. But when you're thinking about who to consult for advice, If you're a follower of Jesus, it's best to consult other followers of Jesus who treasure him above everything to go, how how do you see this playing? How how do you see this fitting? So so a couple of verses that come to mind when I think of this. Proverbs 12, 15, it says this. 
The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise person, one who's shaped around the person of wisdom, a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 18, 1 and 2, listen to this one. It says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. So the Bible is really clear here about what foolishness looks like. It means isolation and you just kind of making up a decision in a vacuum. And so I think one of the areas just to kind of give commentary to this, that we see this play out all the time, like is in dating relationships, right? Maybe you've seen this in your own life or maybe it's a friend, you know? I've seen this play out in a friend. Where, uh, where there's, a, there's a relationship that begins to form and everyone around you, or everyone around that friend says, hey, this is not a good thing. Like, he's not a good dude, or, or she's not who you need to be with, man. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not a good thing. And you go, no, nah, you don't know, man. You don't know her like I do. You don't know him like I do, super sweet or whatever. And you're like, no, I, I promise it's a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. And so this couple, what happens? They move forward in the relationship, and they use Akon, nobody, you know, as their anthem. Right in the car, nobody want to see us together, but it don't matter. You know, it's like, that's us, baby, romance. And then they end up isolating, you know. I'm sorry for singing that, that was bad. They, they, they end up isolating, and now they're on their own. The whole friend circle they used to have, they don't have anymore because they've just, they've just gone their own path, blazed their own trail. And sometimes quickly, other times a little bit more slowly, you see this happen over and over again. You see this happen over and over again. The, the relationship was a terrible mistake. And now you're left alone or your friend crawling back and saying, hey, will you, will you help me? I'm so, so sorry. See, the truth is, right, all of us know this. You have blind spots. You have blind spots in your life. There are decisions you're making right now that you're for sure overlooking certain details. You absolutely are. You're overlooking. You're not thinking about certain implications and you need people around you to help process that with you. So have you thought about this? Oh, that's a good point. Are you thinking about what this would do to your soul or the tax it would cause in your life or the things you have to give up to make this move? You, you need the people around you. There is a way in our own minds that seems right to us, but we have blind spots. We have blind spots. And so we have a family that God's given to us to say, you don't have to be blind. The brothers and sisters around you can help you see. They really can. And, and you're not weak for asking for help. You're not stupid for asking for advice. The Bible just said you're actually wise. When you ask for advice, you're, you're actually seeking wisdom, right? So you think first, making decision. But what does the Bible say? Secondly, what do the people of God say? This leads us to number three then, right? We're, we're, we're moving through this, almost done. The third one is, this always comes to a shock. What do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do? And this always comes to a shock to people who are trying to make a decision in faith because somewhere along the way, you heard someone tell you a story or like some bizarre moment where they made a decision and God like did some bizarre stuff and sent some bizarre signs. And it was like, I was super clear, man. I was supposed to do that thing. And like Shekinah glory came down and there was Jesus's face on my breakfast toast. And it was like telling me, like, you got to take this job. And you're like, dang, 
I want that, you know? Like, I want a bizarre moment like that. National Enquirer is looking for my number. And I want that moment, you know? And so we've heard somewhere along the way these things happen. And so what do you start doing? You start, like, analyzing every conversation you have, you know? Like, is someone going to slip in the word of, like, you know, the company that's calling on me? Or you start looking on the back of bumper stickers. Maybe there's something there. Or you start, like analyzing every gust of wind or that bad burrito you ate. And you're like, oh, that stomach ache is telling me he's the one for me. <laughs> this is it. I endure this for you, baby. I love you. No, you just had too much torchies. You stop eating the queso and you'll be fine. You think clear, right? But, but we, we've done this before. And here's what I'm trying to say. It's not that God won't at certain points in your life make things really clear. Like there are moments where he will supersede and you'll go, man, I'm for sure there. But the normative way that God like moves and guides his people is through this very simple thing we're talking about over the next few weeks, wisdom. Wisdom. Considering his word, considering his people, and then, and then considering your own desires, right? Considering your own desires. So I remember the first time this kind of clicked for me. The first real big decision I felt like I had to make was where to go to college. Like, like most of you, is like, I don't want to land somewhere where I wish I could go home and I have no friends there and I'm just going to eat every meal by myself like a big loser. Like, so I was thinking college is like the first big decision I had to make. And I remember like, it just wrecked me out. Like I, I kind of had no appetite for a while. I couldn't sleep. I had this sluggish, melancholy kind of attitude and mentality. I, I, I couldn't think about anything else. I was completely wrecked out. And I had a guy who was kind of discipling me at the time. He kind of heard about all this, and he said, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you, what do you want to do? And I was saying, I, it's not a matter of what I want to do. What does God want me to do? Like, I want to make sure I'm going to the place that's going to shape me and lead me out to where I'm supposed to go. I think there's a decision I could make, another decision I could make, and one could send me on a wrong and he goes, whoa, 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 remember, God is your father. And fathers don't try to keep food and sleep away from their kids. God's not like some riddler in the sky with a ZZ top beard just waiting to kind of pounce on you with every bad decision or move you make. No, like, he's your father. You're his son. You're his daughter. How, how do you want to glorify him? Like, if it's clear that you want God in whatever decision you're making, then, and I'm not saying just jump to step number three. You you move through one and two. But if you're kind of here and you want God involved, like something you really consider as you're thinking about his word and his people is, what do do I want to do? And this has made so much sense to me over the years, especially now that I'm a dad. Because I see my girls, you know, playing with their toys in the living room. And the last thing I want as their father is for them to be like wrecked out, like which toy does my dad want me to grab, you know? Like he's gonna pounce and flip out if I grab the puzzle and not the doll. Doll, give me the doll, you know? Like my, that would be so, te- like what a terrible house. I would be an awful person. Like I have such delight in my daughters, you know? Like, and I want them to live in the house and the providence that I've given them and be able to kind of carry out their creativity and their life and their desires to kind of take care of the stuff that's been given to them. That's what I want. And so very often I just look at my daughters. What, what do you want to do? Daddy, can we play? 
sure, what do you want to play? And that's pleasing to me. That's pleasing to me as, as their father. And the same is true with God. Listen, maybe you're not worried about decisions tonight. Maybe you can just hear this. If you believe in Jesus and you trust him, God delights in you. God delights in you like a father delights in his children. And very often you may have two decisions in front of you and neither are bad. And it's as if God as your father turns to you and says, what, what do you want to do? How do you want to glorify me? How would you want to play in my kingdom and make much of my son? How, how do you, what do you want to do? And so you see it, right? You're going from what does God's word say? What do God's people say? And as God is shaping my heart through all of that, I have desires. What, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And then last, and here's the final thing tonight, you trust God. You trust God. So go back to Proverbs 16 and verse 9. I told you there were two parts to this verse. And here's where we land on the second part. It says, the heart of man plans his way, but look at this next, but the Lord establishes his steps. So in a man's heart, he thinks about where I would like to go and how I would like to do all of this. But it says there's a definitive reality that's over every even decision we think we're making on our own. It says the Lord establishes your steps. The Lord does. So the end of the matter is there's no decision you make that surprises God. It's not as though God is like seeing your options, you know, and is like, which one? I don't know, which one's it gonna be? How are they gonna play it out? And God's just like sitting on the edge, like going, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out, choose already. Like, that's not what's happening in heaven. God is resting like a good father, like a wise father, like a father who exactly knows where his children are gonna go and has it all under control. And there's never a moment where your father is surprised by you, freaked out by you, caught off guard by you or nervous about the decision you made and how he's going to have to correct something. It's not what's going on. So there's never a moment where God has lost sight of you. Some of you right now have chosen to come to Baylor and, and you're considering maybe transferring and you're wondering if God has forgotten you here. And maybe only one person in the room tonight. Can you just hear wherever you are and maybe whenever this will happen in your life because it will come for all of you. God never loses sight of you, ever. He never loses sight of you. That is really good news. He never leaves you. He never forsakes for you. He never forsakes you. He never withdraws from you. Nothing, we sang it earlier, nothing separates us from his love. No power, no darkness can ever stand between us. Romans chapter eight, right? Never happens. And so God is, God is weaving together our life in this beautiful tapestry of conforming us increasingly through every season and through every decision. We certainly make decisions. We certainly take responsibility and some of them will be bad, but God is working all things together, Romans 8. God is working all things together for good. All things. It's really weird in the Greek right there that all things means all things. Super profound. Like we can actually trust the English Bible, you know? He's working all things together for good. And listen, that doesn't mean that every decision will turn out great and comfortable. There may be some decisions that turn out to be a bit painful and shocking to you, but even there, even in suffering and in surprise, God is turning it 
together for good. And so here's, here's the big finish. So think about Jesus, right? Jesus, your Savior. He lived a perfect life. Never sinned once. Never made a bad decision. Always made wise decisions. Lived in perfect obedience to God. And yet in the wisdom of God the Father, Jesus was crucified for foolish people. He was put up on a foolish cross, a fool's cross, to save foolish people like you and me, that we might become sons and daughters of God. You see, even in the darkest day in history, the day that Jesus died, God was even weaving that together for good. And the enemy shrieked and screamed because he knew he was finished. He was finished. And God is working all this together. So, so there's some times where, where we wonder, what if, you know? There's times where we go, what, what if it had been different? We think about an alternate history. But here's what's so good about Jesus. In him, we don't have to think about alternate histories because we have a redeemed history. We have a spirit-filled present And we have a secure future that was purchased for us by broken body, shed blood, and an empty tomb where you and I get to inherit a kingdom dressed in robes of righteousness where we rule and reign with Christ for trillions of years. That's our future. That's our future. And so when it comes to the decisions we make down here, God's given us some simple wisdom. Consider his word. Consider his people. What do the people of God say? Consider the desires he's shaping in you as you consider word and community. And then lastly, you trust him. You trust him. Nothing first passed through the hands of God without his intense consideration of where that's headed. Nothing accidentally happens in your life. Nothing is an accident. God loves you. And in a man's heart, he plans his way. But the Lord, The Lord establishes his steps. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much that in you there's rest. I I think about, (laughs) as we've discussed this tonight, I think about your word to us in Matthew 11 where you say, all you who are weary and burdened, Come to me, and I'll give you rest. God, for my friends in the room tonight who are thinking about life and thinking about direction and thinking about next steps, and they're confused and they're wondering, God, I pray that tonight there was some some piece of what we've discussed from your word that was helpful. And God, I pray that you would help us to be wise people, that don't take your gospel, then just to live cavalier lives like it's secured and so nothing matters. But God, help us to see that because it's secured in Jesus, now everything matters. Everything matters. We want to live to display your beauty and your splendor and your might through every decision we make to say you are working it all together for good. So I'll take that job as I consider your wisdom. I'll marry that person. I'll pursue that path. Jesus, would it be true of what you say in your word that you will be a light to our feet and a lamp to our path? Jesus, you are our king and you are our story. We pray in Jesus' name.